And it is my privilege this morning to welcome Reverend Dr. John Sweetman to the platform. I think he deserves a clap. John, it is great to have you here. John, amongst many things and many qualifications that he has, is a very experienced grandfather. So we are looking forward to some good stories today, John. Thank you. Thanks, Jody. So it's just my stories you're interested in, Jody. Is that right? Not really the Word of God. <laughs> she cheers me on from down the front. It's very encouraging. Thank you so much. We're celebrating Grandparents' Day. It's actually officially, I don't think, till next Sunday is Grandparents' Day, but Bridgie does their own thing here. So uh, it's, uh, it's great that we can celebrate today. And some of you are in church for, for maybe the first time. Uh, you've come along with, with family. You've accepted the invitation. And we just want to say thank you so much for that. Like, that's, that's very special when you're prepared to, to come along with your, with your family. Uh, I am a sort of experienced grandfather. I've, uh, I've got uh, seven grandkids between zero and eight. And here's a picture of them, I think, coming up. So you can see their own personalities coming out uh, in that. Uh, I can't remember their names. I'd tell, the, I'd tell you their names if I can remember. In fact, the, the youngest one, the little baby there, uh, who's somewhere between two and four months, I've got no idea, but somewhere in that kind of age group. Uh, when he was born, we went into the hospital and, and in Alex and Cass's family, so going into the hospital, you don't know what the sex of the child is before you go in, you know, so it's a really big, it's the reveal and all the rest, you know, so very special. We go in there, found out there was a little boy called Ezra, you know, and we thought, well, great, biblical name and, and all the rest and and uh, so we had a lovely time, little nurse and all the rest. And, and Deb and I were heading out. And then I thought, I haven't prayed for Ezra. <laughs> so we came back in straight away and said, hey, hey, Alex and Cass, can we get around? And let's just pray. So we all huddled there together, praying for this little boy. I said, oh, God, thank you so much for baby Eric. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, <laughs> I think they're used to it by now. But <laughs> Yeah, they offer grace to me, which is nice. Uh, one of the difficulties with preachers is that, for preachers on these sorts of days, is that we have uh, lots of days that happen to be Sundays. Mother's Day is a Sunday, Father's Day is a Sunday, Grandparents' Day is a Sunday, and, and you tend to get lots of sermons on, on family. And so it's hard as a preacher to think, what can I do that's going to be a little bit different or a little bit innovative? Will I just go over the same themes or is there something else that I can offer? And you know what I'm like. I like to be a little bit different. And uh, so I thought, what will I do? I'll, I'll, I'll pick a book of the Bible um, and I've picked Luke, uh, which is the story of the life of Jesus and, and look at it and, and, and bring out what it says about Jesus and family. Because I thought if anyone knows a lot about how families should operate, it would be Jesus. And so, and, and Luke, Book of Luke's got an emphasis on, um, <clears throat> on women and, uh, and any disadvantaged people in our society. So I thought if anyone's got a really sympathetic view of family, it's going to be in the, in the Book of Luke. So I started to study in preparation for, for, for this sermon. And uh, so I started right at the beginning. And at the beginning, Mary, the mother of Jesus, Jesus gets this word from the angel that she's going to be the mother of Jesus. And Jesus is born in a special way. And, and then it says at the end of it, 
Uh, Mary treasured all these things and pondered them in her heart. Now, this is a good start, isn't it? Like, this is lovely, Mary, new mother, young mother, treasuring it all, and it was wonderful. Uh, the next bit that comes on, that they take Jesus to be dedicated in, in the temple, and the priest there recognises that Jesus is someone special, that this is a special um, person that's come from God, the Messiah, and so he says some things about Jesus and, and then he says to Mary at the end of it, uh, this is a precious dedication time. Um, he says, and a sword will pierce your own soul too. In other words, this son is going to bring you a lot of pain. I thought, well, I've never said that in a dedication. I've never been game to or whatever I've thought. You know, you don't say, this kid's going to bring you pain. But that's what Mary gets. So I thought, well, that's not going to be very helpful, is it? The next family episode is in the next chapter where Jesus is 12 years of old and for, uh, for the first time probably they're taking him to Jerusalem uh, to the Passover festival, big celebration that everyone's together. And so they celebrate the Passover, head home and then they realise after a day's journey that Jesus isn't with them. And they say, where's Jesus? And they look everywhere, can't find him, head back to Jerusalem and eventually find him in the temple with some some of the more learned pastors there, all debating theology and all the rest. And Mary, this is, this is a real mother's reaction, all right? So Mary, who's worried sick, says, why have you treated us like this? And Jesus' 12-year-old reply is this, why were you searching for me? Didn't you know that I had to be in my father's house? I thought, well, that's not going to be very helpful for a sermon, is it? Jesus giving lip to his parents at 12 years of age. Uh, Then the family, then uh, there's a pause and uh, the story goes on and Jesus starts his ministry and he's in a very powerful part of his ministry doing miracles, lots of crowds gathering, thousands gathering around him and his family decide to pay a visit, his mum and his brothers and and so they come uh, to the place where Jesus is and it's just crowded out. There's people everywhere. You can't get anywhere near him. But someone sends a message through and it goes through the crowd and someone says to Jesus, hey, your family's outside looking for you. And Jesus turns to the group of people around who've heard this and he says this, my mother and brothers are those who hear God's word and put into practice. In other words, that's not my family. These people are my family. Well, that wasn't really helpful either on a family sermon. So I thought I'll go a little bit further. So I got to Luke 14 where Jesus is talking about the cost of following him and what it would mean. And he says this, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, such a person cannot be my disciple. So at that point, I realised I had a problem with the sermon. (laughs) A sermon on Jesus and family from Luke was not going to be very politically correct. So I thought about that and I thought, well, what can I do? Maybe the problem is that we don't understand what family was like back in those days. So I did a bit of research, right? What was, how was family different? Because the difficulty with the Bible is, is a lot of the time we just read it and we can just read it in our culture and it's okay. But there's a fair bit in the Bible that's very cultural oriented and you've got to understand that culture as you read it. And so I thought, I'll, I'll look at family 2,000 years ago. So I did a little bit of research and these are the things uh, that I, some of the things I found anyway about families in biblical times. Uh, Firstly, they were younger. The average age, life expectancy was about 
20 to 35 years. They're not sure, but it's obviously a lot younger than it is today. Now, that doesn't mean they weren't old people because there would have been a lot of children die very young, which would have brought the average down. But, but if there were old people around the place, and we know Paul, for instance, was 60 and still in ministry, but they were usually uh, quite ill because of all the problems that they'd had during life and without the medical help that we have today. Uh, and so families were, were younger. Uh, children grew up quicker uh, in families in those days than perhaps they do these days. So, uh, so Jesus at 12 uh, might have been more these days an equivalent someone 17 to 20 kind of thing, you know. Uh, so when he was left in the, in the temple, you've got to realise, well, maybe he was, he was thinking like our, a 17 to 20-year-old would today. All right, so families were younger. That might explain some things. Families were stronger. Uh, people lived in extended families, not nuclear families, uh, and were very dependent on each other. There was no social security, no pensions or anything like that. So as you got older, if your family didn't provide for you, you were in big trouble. And so there was a lot of obligations, family obligations, particularly towards those who are older, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, so families were, were stronger in the sense they were, they were more committed to each other, particularly those who were older within families. Uh, the third thing I found was that families are smart, were smarter back in those days. Now, that might sound a bit strange to you that families are smarter because we're really smart. But by that, I mean that families had a lot more to help and to support and to encourage and to give wisdom to younger people. Let me explain it like this. In a culture that never changes much at all, as was the culture 2,000 years ago, people did things the same way, then who in that culture is the wisest? Who is the smartest? It's the people who live the longest. It's the grandparents. In a culture that's rapidly changing, who's the smartest? Well, certainly not the grandparents, because I know that. I've got to go to my grandkids to get help to solve all my computer problems, you know. And, and so families were smarter. You know, if you wanted to know how to be a farmer... You wouldn't go do an agricultural course at Gatton. Uh, you'd go to your dad and you'd learn from your dad how to be a farmer. And so, so there's a lot of wisdom in families and people look for their wisdom from families rather than from external sources. So there was some, certainly some differences about families back in, in those days and we need to understand that. And that might explain a little bit. But as I worked it through, I thought it doesn't explain completely what... Jesus' attitude was to family and what God's attitude is, therefore, uh, to family. So what I want to talk about today, not just from the book of Luke, but wider than that, I want to uh, talk about three surprising things that God says about how family life should be, um, countercultural things, I think, in many ways. All right, now you can take it or leave it, all right? I'm just the preacher here, all right? So... Uh, I was principal of a theological college, but I'll, I'll, I'll just leave that out. But, uh, so, uh, but these are three things that might be surprising, a little bit surprising anyway, that the Bible says about families. All right, so here we go. The first one is um, to love God more than you love family. This is the most important biblical principle that I can offer you this morning uh, about family life. Uh, it's part of a kind of a love hierarchy in a sense, you know. So, so God wants us to love. He wants us to love deeply. 
Uh, even as far as our enemies. He wants us to love our enemies. He wants us to love those who are hurting and struggling. Uh, he wants us to love our job, if that's possible. He, he wants us to love our friends. We're sort of moving up now. He wants us to love our family. This is really key that we, we love our family well. But above that, he wants us to love God, <laughs> to love God more than anything else. Now, I'm saying this because Jesus said this in a time when family obligations were much stronger than they are today. <laughs> and he's still saying, no, you've got to love God more than you love family. Now, this doesn't make sense to us, and, and I can understand that, or to many of us it doesn't. Um, if, this, if this life is all that we have, then may I say loving family is probably the top priority. If, if this is really what life's about, then family's really, really key. It really is key. It's very important. Uh, my dad, and many of you knew my dad, was a, a, a very capable businessman and achieved a lot in the business world. Uh, he retired early. But as time went on, his business achievements became less and less in his life and his family became more and more important to him. <laughs> Because if this life is what it's about, then, then family is key. It's going to be family there uh, at the end. I think there's been a shift in, in Aussie society in a good way towards this. I think that we are more concerned about family. We are more concerned about protecting our children than we have been in the past. I can see it in, in my kids, the way they are Treat, they treat their families and all the rest. There's a strong emphasis on the importance of family and I think that's a very, very good thing. What could be more important than family? And I realise that. Do you know what I mean? Like, like we're living in a joint family situation. We have a little granny flat living with one, one of our kids and his, his, his children. Uh, so I know that. Like I know I'm giving a lot of love at the moment. Do you know what I mean? Because I know there's going to come a time when I'm going to need a lot of love, you know. And so I'm investing now with the hope that it'll rub off in the, in the, in the future. So, uh, so family's important. I'm not knocking that at all. It's very, very important. And in fact, if this life is all there is, then probably it's the most important thing, isn't it? For most of us anyway. It's the most important thing. Making family a priority, loving them most, is actually probably a very good thing. But if this life is just a, a drop in the bucket, in a sense, uh, if, this, if this life is only the start of something that goes on forever and ever and ever, then that changes perspective significantly. Family are important. And for my 80 years or whatever God will give me in, in this life, I want to invest uh, in my family. And it is important. But the fact is, I'm going to have forever. <laughs> and like my, my forever family is going to, be, going to be much bigger than my little nuclear family now. Like it's going to have a lot of you people in it too. You know, it's going to be huge. And that's going to be my family forever. And, and if this is true, if, if this is not just the end, you know, once we finish our life, I was just across the road this week on Friday uh, taking a graveside service uh, for my daughter-in-law's, the one we live with, daughter-in-law's dad, who's passed away, exactly my age, 68. 
and uh, I was uh, taking that service and and it was sad uh, he's got a little grandson that he that won't probably ever know him really and uh, and so it was sad in some ways and if this life is all there is then you think well he's had a good life but that's sad that it's finished you know but in fact that's not true like life goes on that was only the start like he's sailing off to a new adventure now <laughs> in relationship with God and and if that's true if this is not the end of it, if it's not just all about this, then loving God more than family is really important <laughs> because God's the one that guarantees our future and God's the one that we're going to be living with forever and ever. Paul says uh, in, in 2 Corinthians 4.18 that he calls this life temporary. <laughs> kind of we look at it, it looks so solid, it looks like it's going to last forever, but of course it's not, it's just, it's just temporary. And so if this is true, if life goes on forever, then loving God most or loving God more is, uh, is, is a biggie. It determines my future. Of course, it has th- this big perspective on life has ramifications for us too as we live in this world. Like, do you know what I mean? If this is all we've got, uh, if you perhaps are a single person, although God will bless that as well, but it's... it's you're missing out on family, aren't you? you know? Or if you're in a very difficult family relationship, you know, and difficult because of children or parents or your spouse or whatever it might be, and then you think, well, that poor person's got to live with that and that's all there is. But of course, that's not true. Like if life goes on forever, this is only just a little part and there's so much more to come. Well, I hope I've convinced you at least that if you believe that, then God is the most important thing. Family's great, really important, but God's far more important than that. And that's what Jesus was saying, you know, when he said, if, if you don't hate, he wasn't talking, really hate the way we think about it, but he's saying, if you don't love God most, then how can you follow me? Like, that's going to be really tough for you. All right, so that's enough. Love God more on that one. That was a bit countercultural, but the next one perhaps might even be more countercultural, and that is focus up, not just down. Now, let me try and explain that. Family life and our culture revolves very much around the needs of children. So we're seeking in our families, whether we're parents or whether we're grandparents, we're seeking to, to support and help our kids and our grandkids. And that, life, that goes on forever. My eldest boy fell off his scooter on Friday and uh, broken his shoulder and I was in the car driving him around to the doctors and all the rest. I'm a bit of a hero, I know. But anyway, like... Uh, uh, you know, like, it goes on. You're, you're, that's what family's about. You're, you're caring for your children and your grandchildren. You're, you're, feeding, you're feeding little babies and babysitting and, and, and all the rest. Recently, I was speaking with a mate who's just a little bit older than me, and uh, he's uh, retired, but he, he's playing the share market uh, quite significantly, and, and he loves it. But he said to me, he said, you know why I'm doing this, John? I said, no. He said, well, he said... I'm trying to make sure that when I go, I've got enough to leave so that my grandkids have house deposits. I thought, wow, I said, I'm busy spending all mine. (laughs) (laughs) But I thought, that's what people are like. Do you know what I mean? Some people anyway, not me, but some people are like that, like... They just want to give, to give. And it's not just their children now, but their grandchildren as well. 
So this downward focus in our families, this focus on those that are younger and uh, than us, you know, who are supporting and encouraging and helping and giving unconditional love, all those things are wonderful. We're focusing down in our families. The difficulty with that is it's lovely and it's good, <laughs> but it's not actually the Bible emphasis on families. Now, this might sound surprising to, to some, but let, let me take the Ten Commandments. In the middle of the Ten Commandments, right, so these are the biggies, right? This is um, God saying to Israel how they're to live in relationship with him, you know. And right in the middle is a family one. How are we to live in our families? And you know what it says? It says, look after your children well, be nice to your kids, give them unconditional love, make sure that they, they, they feel that they're very, very special. Does it say that? No, nothing like that. What does the Ten Commandments say? Honour your mother and your father. <laughs> like, they, they, oh yeah, because they paid a lot for your first piano lesson. All right, somehow I think that quote wasn't on it. But <laughs> so the Bible's focus in, that, in the commandments anyway is focused up in the family. It's what children can do for their, for their parents in terms of honouring them and respecting them. Uh, and that's not just Old Testament, right? So that's in the Old Testament for Israel. You can say, well, that's... Uh, it, Paul reiterates exactly the same thing in the New Testament. Uh, he says, honour your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Now, I just want to acknowledge, I'm used to boards and that sort of thing these days, so I want to acknowledge I've got a conflict of interest here, all right? <laughs> when I say focus up, I'm up, right? I'm there. I'm the grandparent. <laughs> so, uh, so you just got to take this with a grain of salt, right? There might be something for me in this. I do admit that. Uh, but I think, I think that, that this, the family, the biblical emphasis on focusing up as well as down, I mean, of course we've got to focus down, but focusing up as well uh, is partly cultural. You know, that, that older people in those days uh, did need family support. And so, uh, more so than we do. I'm 68 and uh, I still don't need a huge amount from my family. I can still offer them much more than they can offer me. That won't always be the case, but at the moment that's the case. Uh, and so I think partly it is a cultural thing that, that in a culture where the oldies needed the support of the youngies, uh, then there was an upward focus. But I think it's more than that. I do. I think that what God's trying to do is, is build a culture, and this is a society, where, where there is respect, uh, where there is support, where there is acknowledgement of, of leadership and eldership. Uh, I think that that's what God's trying to do. And, and if he's going to do that, it's got to come out of families. And so if we're going to build, if God's trying to build that sort of culture, the, the family is the building block for that. And if we don't build families with an upward focus as well as a downward focus, if we only have downward focus in our families, what are we going to end up with in our culture? A whole lot of people that just think life is about them and should be for them and whatever they want, they should be able to get. So, so we need this upward focus in our families. I think this is, it is very important. Uh, we do that by, uh, by honouring uh, our parents. And that's not always easy, I realise, especially when they forget the name of your baby. But, but still, like, that's 
part of what we do. We appreciate those who are older and grandparents too. We teach our kids to appreciate uh, our grandkids, our, our grandparents. Uh, we, uh, we teach our children to obey and respect as well as loving them heaps. My feeling is that in our culture, although there's been a positive change towards family, which is really good, uh, I just fear that we give too much to our children and expect too little from them. And that's lovely and it's very generous. It just not may, may not be healthy for them uh, or for our culture. And the big spin-off of all of this is if we do get an upward focus as well as a downward focus, uh, things go well for us. That's what... Paul says, so that it may go well with you, <laughs> that you may enjoy long life on the, on the earth. All right, so focus up, not just down. I hope I've explained that. The third one, and the last one is, uh, is God wants us to impress our children. Uh, in preparation uh, for a new life, uh, so the Israelites had been slaves in Egypt and they were coming out of Egypt, they'd come out of Egypt, God had set them free and they were, to form, they were becoming a nation in themselves and they were going to move into a new land which, we call, which was called Canaan back then. We call it Israel now. But they were going to move into this new land. And so Moses, just before they went in, went back over, revised the Ten Commandments so that they, they knew how to live because he was particularly worried and I think God was too, that as they moved into this new place, which is actually a wonderful place to live, but I had lots of temptations around the place that, that they would lose this dependence on God and this heart for pleasing and obeying God as they moved into the new place. So he went over the Ten Commandments with them and, and then he said this, these commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Impress them on your children. In other words, he's saying, if families don't do their job, if you don't impress these things on your kids, then we've got problems ahead as we move into this new land. You need to do it. Impress these things that are important to you on your children. Now, that was in a society where, where everything would have supported those values. The education system would have supported those values. Uh, the, the whole society, the religious system would have supported those values. So, so they were values that would be supported, but even then it was important for families to reinforce them. If that was the case back in those days, how much more is the case these days that we have to impress on our kids what really is important to us, what is right at the, our hearts of what we value? And for many of us, that's a relationship with God. We need to impress these things uh, on our children. Because I tell you what, there's a lot of people that are trying to impress your kids. <laughs> a lot of people that are trying to influence, influence as they call them, who are trying to influence uh, you and, and your children particularly. And so there's a lot of influence out there. So we have to impress, impress what we believe, impress what's important to us, impress our values uh, on, our, on our kids. I grew up in a church that, that was very isolationist. Uh, it was very fearful of the, of the outside world in a sense. Uh, it was, uh, and so when I was growing up, went to high school and then I was going on to university and I was the first in my family to go to university. And so in the church, 
there was a lot of fear about this. Do you know what I mean? <gasps> John's going to go to that secular universities and he's going to, you know, he's... His faith will be destroyed, you know, and, and all the rest. And they would talk to mum and dad and say, you know, don't, don't let him go to university, you know. That would be really bad for him. Now, of course, my parents weren't uh, influenced by that, so I went to university and I had a great time. <laughs> like, what a wonderful place it was for my faith to develop and grow. And, and the reason I did so well within that context, and I'm not saying it wasn't dangerous for some people, it may well have been, but the reason I did so well is because I already had such a good foundation. My parents had done such a good job. My church actually had done a good job in giving me a, a foundation and giving me values and giving me an understanding of God and what He's like. So when those things were challenged, that became exciting for me. <laughs> it was part of my growth and, and, and development. These values that we impress on our children, this life that we have that we impress on our kids is, is both caught and taught. So they catch it in many ways. We heard that on the video. You know, I, I see you know, my grandmother praying every day or reading the Bible. Do you know what I mean? Like a lot of it's caught. Uh, our kids know exactly what our values are. They know what's important to us. They know what our life uh, is like we can't hide those things from family, you know. So a lot of it is is caught, and that is that we're trying to live in front of our kids in a way that honours God and and that they see as this is important to us. This really this really is important to us. Uh, and they also need to be taught. That's what uh, Moses is talking about here. That uh, we need to teach these things, impress them on your children. And Moses suggests, this is my paraphrase of what Moses says, but uh, talk about them when you're sitting around at home, when you're driving in the car, when you put them to bed and when they wake you up in the morning. <laughs> Impress them on your children. <laughs> Teach them. Uh, a little while ago, uh, I was decided I wanted to fast for a day. And uh, fasting, if you don't understand fasting, it's just giving up something, often food. Uh, so that you can focus a bit more on God and say to God, you are the most important in my life, even more important than this food that I love. Uh, and, and, and I had a particular reason. I was praying about a particular issue in my life and fasting. Um, and during that day that I was, it was just a day. I'm not a long faster, but I, just, just a day. Uh, I, uh, we had a family uh, dinner together with, in our house. And... Uh, and you, when you're fasting, you're not supposed to show other people, do you know what I mean, that you're fasting or anything. So I thought, well, I have to go to family dinner. So I sort of went to the family dinner and I just sat there kind of being part of everything that we we're doing and trying not to make it obvious that I wasn't eating. Uh, but Avaya, who's uh, seven, noticed that Grandpa wasn't eating and she said, Grandpa, you're not eating. What's wrong? That's not like you. <laughs> and... And I said, well, I said, well, I, I needed to explain. So I said, well, look, I'm fasting. And she said, well, what's fasting, Grandpa? And so I had a chance to say, well, it's like you give up something so that you can show you that you're committed to God or you want to pray about something. And uh, she said, oh, she said, I'd like to fast. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, you're sure, like, you, you know, you don't need to. She said, oh, yeah, I want to fast. I want to fast tomorrow. I said, well, okay, well, what are you going to fast from? She said, I'm going to fast from media. I'm not going to watch any TV. I'm not going to get up my iPad or, or do anything on the computer. I'm Or phones. She's probably got all of those things. But anyway, like I'm, 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 I'm fasting from media. I said, oh, well, that'd be lovely. All right, you do that, Avaya. That's good. 
So the next day I walk in, because uh, we're living in the same house, I walk into the lounge room and there's the whole family there. They're all sitting there and there's a veyer and they're watching TV and there's a veyer there. And I said to a veyer, I said, oh, with the front of the whole family, I, I said, oh, a veyer. I said, I thought you were going to fast from media today. Oh, she said, I am, Grandpa. I'm averting my eyes. <laughs> and when I looked at it, it was true. She was looking the opposite way. She wasn't looking at the TV. She was looking the other way. <laughs> now, who knows what will, how that will impact her life <laughs> long term. But it's just trying to live as God's person and showing her kids and our grandkids, you know, that that this stuff is real for us and this is true of our relationship with God. Impress. Now, I don't think of those too impressed by me, but anyway, impress your children and your grandchildren <laughs> with your values and what's important for you. Well, that's enough. Um, what's God saying to you? I presume that as God speaks in this, there's something for you. Maybe, maybe you never thought. Maybe you thought that this life, or you lived like this life was really all that there is. And so family's been the most important thing, which is wonderful. But if this life goes on forever, then your relationship with God is just absolutely key. You need to pursue that. You really do. Uh, maybe it's uh, uh, to do uh, with, uh, with the, your focus. You know what I mean? You're really focused in your family on the kids, which is great, and trying to do and serve them. But maybe there's a need to change that focus a bit and focus up as well and respect and honour to those who are older and their parents and, and grandchildren, uh, grandparents. Uh, maybe it's impressing your kids, just living it out in front of them and, uh, and talking about your faith and what that means to you and, and, and how you live that uh, and your values and what's important to you. I'm not sure. But I just thought I, I needed to finish just saying it almost sounds like God or Jesus is a, a kind of little bit of anti-kids, you know, like this has been all different stuff that I've talked about today. And I just want to assure you that, that that is not true. Like Jesus in the middle of this really busy time in his ministry when people are coming from everywhere and, and there's mothers with little kids coming up. Do you know what I mean? Like in all that he has to do and trying to get Jesus to bless, hold their little kids, cuddle their little kids and pronounce some sort of blessing or prayer on them. Do you know what I mean? And the disciples are saying, yeah, that's nice stuff, but hey, Jesus has got more important things to do. And, G- and, and when Jesus sees that, <laughs> he says, what? More important things to do? This is the most important thing. I'm, well, I'm paraphrasing here, but this is the most important thing I can do. Like these kids is what the kingdom's made up of. <laughs> So God's not anti-kids, he loves kids. He just wants the best for our kids. He wants the best for our families. And sometimes that's different from what our culture is saying is best for families. Let's pray together, hey? <laughs> Lord Jesus, um, we haven't got the strength to be great grandparents or great parents <laughs> or develop great families, Lord. We can't do that. We're just not good enough. Our kids and our grandkids see our foibles and our weaknesses as well as our, the things that we do, Lord. So we're just crying out to you that you'll help us in all of these things, that we're not alone in this, Lord. 
But we pray for this reality to seep through. We pray for the ability not to listen to our culture, Lord, not to be influenced by our culture that says this is all there is. Uh, Lord, but to hear your voice, uh, to cry out for your help and to live in our families in a way, Lord, that you say is the best. And it actually is because it's the, it's the way, Lord, you bless our families and use our families to bless our church and our culture, Lord Jesus. And this is what we long for. This is what we long for, Lord. So we pray for help. We pray for your encouragement. We pray for your forgiveness when we get it wrong. <laughs> and we ask, Lord Jesus, that you might use us in our families to influence our children, our grandchildren, our, par- our grandparents, our parents to you, Lord Jesus. And we pray this in your name. Amen. Thanks, brother. That's great. On Friday night, there were over 600 young people, high schoolers here that had gathered from youth groups all around um, the north side of Brisbane. Very powerful night. I think 110 kids responded. Wow. Incredible, isn't it? Praise God. Praise God. Um, we, we are so thankful for um, um, youth pastors and youth leaders and those that are ministering um, to the young people of our community here. We are really thankful. But I wondered um, how many of those had grandparents that were praying for them as children and longing for them to come into the kingdom, you know, you know the unseen things um, that God's doing as generations come to know and love him. And and I was thinking this morning about not only that generation, but going back the other way as we've been um, reminded to look back in honour of those that have blessed us. And I was actually talking to someone just before they had something from 1867 in their family line of Christians going back to that that far back. How incredible is that? So I thought this morning that we should just um, acknowledge and give thanks for those in previous generations who have been faithful to God. And um, I wanted to particularly do that with those that have got grandparents who have honoured Christ. If you've got grandparents here this morning and you can track back on either side of your family and they actually walked with God and it's been continuing down and that won't be for everybody I know and for some people you are the first generation of Christians praise God for other people it just be maybe your parents are the first generation but I'm, I'm talking about going back that far back to grandparents so for many it will actually going back into the 1800s uh, when they were born so if you are in that particular situation I'd just love you to stand just for a moment to um, see the heritage that exists and those that have been faithful over the generations. Have a look around that. It's amazing, isn't it? Um, We are very thankful for those who have held the faith, helped us to come to know Jesus and many others that have, through them, have come to know Jesus. And so, Lord, let's pray. We give you thanks for what you've done, great God, throughout every generation, Lord. There have been people who have loved and honoured and worshipped you. Some of us, Lord, have been recipients of that blessing down family lines and we want to say thank you for that. And, and others, Lord, here, some of that are seated, Lord, there's been family lines where their lives have crossed path and been impacted. 
And that's how they've come to know and love you, Lord. And so we want to say thank you, great God, for the gospel of Jesus Christ, generation after generation. Thank you for those 110 kids responding on Friday night. Lord, we pray for more. That's what we're asking for, for our city and for our communities to be transformed by the Gospel. But we honour you and give you thanks, Lord, for those who have gone before us, the great witnesses, Lord, have been faithful to the very end of their lives. In Jesus' Name, Amen. Please be seated. I thought it would be good to pray for the grandparents here this morning. John's already done that in some ways, but I just invite any of the grandparents that are here this morning, I'd just love to pray a blessing over you. Um, So if you're a grandparent here... um, 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 whether, whether you're a follower of Jesus or not, I just want to pray a blessing over you. So grandparents, where are you? Just stand up for the moment. If you've got that responsibility, won't be everybody here, but it'll be many here. That's great, wonderful. Let me just pray for you. Yeah. Lord, thank you for these ones, Lord, that have been trusted with this responsibility, this honour. Um, and I pray that you will continue to bless them, Lord. Much love in their families, I would pray. Um, as they give their lives away, Lord, and as they receive love in return, Lord, what a joy it is, Lord, these little lives that bring such blessing. And so, Lord, enrich family life, we would pray, and every one of those that are standing here and the special responsibilities that these grandparents have, help them to be faithful, Lord, in caring and loving their families, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. I would also love us just to pray for our families today. And this is for everybody. If you've got a concern this morning, any concern. I was just talking to someone after the eight o'clock service. He hasn't seen his wife for four and a half months. She's in lockdown in New Zealand, can't get back. You know, some of these sort of concerns that might be there, there might be family members that don't know Jesus, whatever it might be. Such a, you know, such a wide spectrum of issues that might be there. But now's the time to pray. This is why I love coming to church. And those online too as well, this is for you. Yeah. Um, we'll just take a moment to lift these prayers up to our loving Heavenly Father. Are you ready to do that? If there's any concerns in your family, I invite you to bring that to Jesus just right now. Maybe you just want to place your, um, your hands just in an upward position, just as you're seated there. As you lift this need to our Heavenly Father right now. Oh God. He is our loving Heavenly Father. He hears these prayers, every one of them. And so, Lord, come do your good work, we would pray. Minister your loving families, Lord, we would pray. May people see the reality of you, the things that you do to bless us, because you are a God who blesses. You are full of blessing. We ask all these things. In Jesus' name this morning. And then finally, there's one last prayer. For those who might be here this morning and you haven't walked with Jesus and you're not in a relationship with Him, but there's something in your heart that's calling you even this morning. Oh, I just want to pray for you. I just want to pray for you. Will you pray with me? Will you pray with me? That God would come, encourage you, on this journey that He's leading you on. And so, Lord, we pray for those this morning and those online too as well. That if hearts are opening up to the things of God, oh, Lord, do your good work. Lead these dear ones, Lord, into the fullness of relationship with you, we pray. Oh, God of blessing, 
We love you and worship you this morning in Jesus' name. Amen, amen. Hey, come, let's stand. We're going to sing a song. We don't sing this song very often here, but it seems so right on this Grandparents Sunday. Yeah, come, let's stand up together and worship our great God as we pronounce a blessing. And I pray this will be a blessing you'll pray over your families as you even sing this this very day. So let's do this together. Thanks, team. If you can lead us, it'd be great. Oh
shone upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift, lift up the light of His countenance upon you and give you His peace. And God's people said, Amen, Amen, Amen. Please be seated. It's been such a joy to have you with us this morning and those online as well. God bless you. Do stay afterwards in our Connect Lounge. We'd love to catch up with you if it's your first time here or just been coming recently. Do stay afterwards. Coffee in the, um, in the courtyard as well. So good to be together. God bless you all. God bless you all. God bless you all indeed. If you'd like prayer, some of our prayer team will be down the front too to pray for you. God bless you.